I'm preaching on hope this morning, so I thought the, the best way to start about preaching on hope would be to preach on what it's not. I'm a bit ornery that way sometimes. Um, actually, funnily enough, one of the, the major scriptures that we read on hope is not a, about hope at all. Uh, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, is the go-to scripture when anybody asks you for a definition of faith. But if you look at it closely, the definition of faith is tied up with hope. And if we, I've got three translations here, and if we, if we read them all, the first one says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And the second one says faith is the confidence in what we hope for. And the third one says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So all of, all of those three translations tell us that faith is a manifestation of hope. That it's the reality or the confidence or the assurance of what we're hoping for. Now, if we look at that scripture again, we can see that the verse also adds that faith is the evidence or the assurance or the conviction of things we cannot yet see. So let, let's separate out these, these terms just for the moment. There's an evidence to faith that can be seen. There's an implied action that is associated with the outworking of faith. Who know, I mean, we, we probably know that scripture, faith without works is dead. So faith requires an action. And the most powerful example of this is in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus heals the paralyzed man lowered down to him on a mat. Now, if you'd been at the chapel service two weeks ago, you'd have actually heard me preach on this. Um, so I'm sorry if you've missed out, but that was a really great message. Um, just saying. Uh, but in Mark chapter 2, verse 4, and do we know the story? I'll, I'll just quickly summarize it. Jesus is preaching in Simon and Andrew's house in a fishing village called Capernaum. And it's your typical uh, sort of mud brick structure with a, with a flat roof. And uh, he's preaching and four guys and their paralyzed friend come because they've heard Jesus can heal people. And so there's a crowd of about 100 people in the house that holds 25. And so they can't get in. So they do what most normal people would do. They get up on the roof and dig a hole through the roof and lower him down through the hole in front of Jesus. And, you know, the mechanics of this aren't mentioned in the story. We're left to imagine what an awful mess that must have made and sort of how the crowd handled it. But in verse 4 it says, And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith... Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. So how does he see their faith? Does he peer into their souls to find out what measure of faith they're hiding inside of them? Does he look at them and say, well, I reckon they've got enough in there. Um, I think I might do as they ask because their faith levels are high enough uh, so that I, I reckon I can, I can do what they, what they ask. Um, no, he doesn't need to actually look into their souls. He uses his eyes. The evidence of their faith is that they've just smashed a hole in the roof to get their friend in front of him. He saw the action, the conviction, and the evidence of their faith right in front of him. So then how do we describe hope? We see faith as the action word. We know that faith pleases God. It seems that faith is, is actually the important thing. Hope is just a poor second. It's that, it's that um, insignificant thing that means you don't actually really have faith. 
Now, people who hope for things, you know, that's, it's a vain hope. You, you, need to, you haven't got enough faith. You get a lot of Christianese talk about how you know, faith is important. But hope is actually a really important concept in the Bible. Let's say that you want to describe the feeling of anticipating a future that's better than the present. Anybody like to have that sort of anticipation? And so we look at, we look at the, the future and... W- if we have hope, we, we can look at it with an excited point of view. We can be excited for the future because we're hoping for something great. But we can also be a little anxious about what the future holds. Or perhaps a little dubious about what might be going to happen. But we call that state of anticipation hope. It's, it's something that we, we need for our, our, our human existence. You often talk about people not having faith. But people without hope are really in dire straits. You can get by without faith, but without hope, life becomes meaningless. And so if we look into the Bible, what do we find about hope? Well, in the Old Testament, there are actually lots of different words for hope. But there are two main words that we read about that are translated as hope. And this is why it's good that the first row is a fair way away, because the first word is yachal. You've got to get the bit right. And that, that simply means to, means to wait. Uh, in the story of Noah and the ark, the, the floodwaters receded and Noah had to yahal. Because if he hadn't yahal, if he didn't wait, if he didn't have a hope for something, guess what? He'd have opened the doors and all the animals would have trotted out and drowned. He had to wait, but he had to have a hope that the waters were going to recede. And so that, that's, that's the word that's used there. The other Hebrew word is kaval, uh, which also means to wait, but it's related to the Hebrew word kav, which is actually spelled Q-A, you can see it up there, kavar. Um, but the, the first three letters, kav, mean rope or cord. And kaval actually means a stretched rope, so it's tension. So it's, it's the anticipation of waiting that finds a release when what you're waiting for or what you're hoping for actually comes to pass. And uh, uh, so the prophet Isaiah, for instance, depicts God as a farmer. And in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, He ploughed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle he built a watchtower and carved a winepress into the nearby rocks. And then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. Kavar, he waited it's interesting that it says, but the grapes were bitter. <laughs> so sometimes hope can be dashed. And that's, it. that's actually important when we actually come to investigate what our hope, what Christian hope really is. Um, but sometimes, even for God, his hope doesn't come to pass. And this is, this is actually a bit of poetry about how he feels about the nation of Israel, but we won't go into that. Uh, the prophet Micah actually uses it in quite a different way when he talks about um, the morning dew or the rain giving moisture to the land, he says in uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 7, The remnant left in Israel will take their places among the nations. They will be like dew sent by the Lord or like rain falling on the grass, which no one can hold back and no one can restrain. And those words hold back and restrain actually talk about the uncertainty of the future that's actually in God's hands, that we have a hope for rain, but we don't know when it's going to happen. We have a hope for the morning dew, but we don't know how much, we don't know where, 
we don't know what's happening. And there's that, that expectation, that, that knowledge that something is going to happen. That the hope that we have is going to come to pass. But what it is, when it is, how it is, we don't know. And it, it also indicates that we need to leave that in God's hands. And so biblical hope, at least in the Old Testament, is about waiting. Who loves waiting? In the book of Psalms, these words appear over 40 times. There's a lot of waiting in the Psalms. But the question we need to ask is, what are they waiting for? Wrong question. Who are they waiting for? Is the right question. Because the interesting thing is that biblical hope is based on a person. Because in almost every case in the Psalms, that what people are waiting for is God to turn up. And so it actually makes a difference because hope is not mere optimism. We have this idea that you know, optimistic people are hopeful people, and that may, may well be true. But you see, optimism is based on the idea that we have a belief that our circumstances can change for the better. Hope in Jesus doesn't take these circumstances into account at all. And in fact, if, if we look in, in the Bible, people who are hopeful often recognise there's absolutely no evidence that things are going to get better. But they choose hope anyway. God had surprised his people with redemption back in the days of Exodus, and he could do it again. And so people hung on to God's past faithfulness that motivated their hope for the future. They looked forward by looking backward, trusting in nothing except God's character. Like the poet of Psalm 39 who says in verse 7, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. And even in the New Testament, the earliest followers of Jesus had a similar habit of hope because they believed that Jesus was life. Why did they believe that? Well, Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And Jesus, who, who, who's ever read the New Testament? It's a good, good idea. Um, but who, who knows that Jesus talked about his death and resurrection quite a bit to the disciples. And the funny thing is that when it actually happened, no matter how much he'd warned them, they were surprised. It wasn't what they expected. And when he came out of the tomb, when he, they, they saw his resurrection, they were even more surprised. But the thing that, that really changed their lives, and we see that, that, that change from hopeless desperation at his death to a glorious um, spreading of the good news of the gospel, once the Holy Spirit had come on them. And that was caused by the fact that Jesus' death and resurrection had given them a new hope. There was a hope not just for people, because Jesus' resurrection assured mankind of salvation if they had a hope in Jesus Christ. But there was also this hope that the whole of creation was going to change because of what Jesus had done. The wounds of, in, Jesus, in God's good earth would be healed by the fact that God's people have a hope in Jesus Christ. And Paul said this in Colossians 1.27, he says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And they, they use this, this Greek word, el peace. Sort of sounds like a, a Spanish hero. <laughs> that was El Cid. Um, but they use this, this, this hope. Uh, that Our hope is not in circumstances. Our hope is in the glory of Jesus. Romans 5 verse 1 says much the same. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You see, this hope's based on a person, the risen Jesus, who's overcome death, and not just for humans, but the whole of creation. So Paul is saying that Christian hope is that creation itself will be liberated from corruption into freedom when God's children are glorified. He says that Christian hope is this crazy idea that God wants to redeem his creation and those who subscribe to this hope are waiting for humanity, and yet the whole universe even, to be rescued from evil and death. And some people will look at you and say, that's crazy. And they could be right. But, it is, but biblical hope isn't optimism based on the odds. It's not a question of what it looks like. It's not a question of what the chances are. It's a question of who are you following? Who do you believe? Hope for a Christian is a choice. It's not a state of mind. It's not an attitude. It's not even a belief. It's a choice to wait for God to bring about a future, a surprising future. It's surprising as a crucified man coming back from the dead. I mean, that was a surprise. Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward. And so we wait, but not passively, with anticipation, with that, that tension in that stretched rope, that cord. The more you stretch, the tighter it becomes, the greater the anticipation, waiting for it, something to snap. And that's how we should wait. Because it's hope, not in circumstances, but in a person, the person of Jesus. Has it, I mean, it came to me the other day, has anybody ever had a word spoken over them, a word from God, and somewhere in there was the word wait? It made me feel guilty because there's a number of people, even recently, I know that I've, I've had words for, and, and, and the word that keeps coming out is wait. Wait, and I've sort of thought, is this fair? Is this really nice, God, to just say wait all the time? But what I've, uh, I've realised while actually studying for this message is that what, what God is actually telling people is to stand on your hope. He's giving people an opportunity to hope. Because our hope, it's, it's not a question, he's not saying be optimistic. When, when God says, you know, wait, he's not saying be of good cheer. Things will change. Buck up. You know, life is changing. He's saying, wait, who is your hope in? God, God is into opportunities. I love, there's a, there's a scene in that, in that movie, his name I can't remember, it's the one the following, um, Bruce Almighty, the one with the ark. Evan Almighty. Yeah. When uh, God, disguised as a waiter in a diner, speaks to Evan's wife. 
because she's a bit concerned because he, not only is he building an ark, but he's stating publicly that God has asked him to do it. And uh, she, she speaks to God as the, the waiter. And if you notice, his little name tag says, Al Mighty. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, what am I going to do about this? And he says to her, well, see it as an opportunity. And she says, what do you mean, an opportunity? And he says, well, when people pray to God for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or do you think he gives them an opportunity to be patient? He says, when God says wait, he's actually giving us an opportunity to recognize who our hope should be in. Because often our hope is just optimism. It's a bit like hoping that the aunt who always gives you those wacky Christmas presents is actually going to give you something decent this year. It's, it's, it's not the circumstances we're hoping in. And it's not the circumstances God, God wants us to hope in. Sometimes I think he asks us to wait, to focus us. Because you see, we have hope in all sorts of things. But we complicate life. We're called to have hope in Jesus. And out of that hope... Guess what? Faith springs forth because we can take action. But faith without works might be dead. But faith without hope is pointless. And so we need to make sure that we have hope in Jesus, that we are facing the right battles. Basically, the, the thrust of my message this morning is that our hope is in Jesus. But we have to actually start with that hope in our walk with God. God is not a religious person. He doesn't say that, okay, he looks at us and say, well, you go to church on Sunday, you attend a group during the week, you're probably a good Christian, you can go to heaven. Um, that's not biblical, it's not scriptural, it's not in God's character. God sent Jesus Christ here to die and to be resurrected so that we could have a relationship with him. And he says those who put their hope in Jesus will have eternal life. And so it's about a relationship. And so you have to start that relationship. You actually have to place your hope not in circumstances but in Jesus. And when we do that, it's, it's, it's something we call being born again. It's actually starting a new, new life with Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And that's only a start. There's no, it's not a free pass to heaven. It's not an instant scratchy. It's like, you know, oh, I got, you know, God is my saviour, I win. It's actually the beginning of a walk with Jesus. You know, when, when, you first, when I first met Vicky, my first thought wasn't, I'm going to marry her. I was 10. I didn't know what marriage was. <laughs> didn't know what a girl was. Um, well, <laughs> I did know what a girl was. I mean, I knew, I knew that Vicky was a girl. <laughs> okay, we're dera derailing my salvation message here. But we need, to, we need to build a relationship with Jesus is really all I'm trying to say. But it starts from the point of meeting Jesus. And so can I get everyone just to close their eyes? I want to pray a prayer. This morning, in fact, I want us all to pray a prayer. If you're here and you, 
you haven't ever put your hope in Jesus. You've never said, well, I want him to be Lord of my life. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And I want to invite you to take that step and invite him into your life this morning. If you've done that before, but you know that the life you're leading now is not a life following Jesus, hey, guess what? He accepts people back. We all make mistakes and he always says, you're welcome back. So if that's you this morning or you've, you've never actually done that before, while everybody's got their eyes closed, can you just raise your hand so that I can see it, so that I know who we're praying for this morning? Is there anybody here who wants to say that prayer to ask Jesus into their lives? Nice and high so that I can see it. Awesome. Can you open your eyes? Look at me. I just want to pray for you before we close. Mighty God, I thank you that we can call ourselves your children. I thank you that as we put our hope in you, that we learn to wait. Thank you, Lord, that our waiting isn't wasted, that you move in our lives while we do nothing so that we have the courage to use our faith to lift up your name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Fantastic. That's our first Advent hope. Who knew it would be such a hard one? so much waiting but it's so good to know that we can place our hope in Jesus and we're going to have peace next week joy love good things to come leading up to Christmas Um, so make sure you're here at 10.30 family service or at the 8.30 chapel service Um, if you have prayer needs for anything at all there will be a couple of people here at the end of the service that would love to pray with you come and see them If you have kids in C3 Kids, don't forget to sign them out. And let's all head over to the cafe and find out what that Advent coffee is for the week. I'm keen. Have a great week, everyone. We go together.